If you have your Bibles in front of you in Psalms chapter 22, the Bible says here in verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you ever remember hearing that in the Bible? Why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy. Aren't you thankful that when we have a cry, He is holy? Amen. When we don't understand, He is holy. You say, I don't understand, God. You've got to put your faith and trust in His holy character that he has your best interest at heart and that he's a just God and he's not going to do something that's not right though you may go through the afflictions God will deliver you out of them all but he says here even though I feel forsaken and I cry and it seems like that nothing is heard but you're silent but thou art Holy, O God, O Thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. And then over in verse 24 he says, For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Oh, that ought to make you shout this morning. He hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither has he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. And he said, my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Amen. Forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Isn't God good? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to back the preacher this morning. Shake their hand. And just know, if you said it and mean it, praise God. If you didn't, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to break open your word. And Lord, in any time, but especially in this time, if we've ever needed the word, it's now. If we've ever needed to be sound and grounded and established in the word, it's now. And I pray that you will speak to us, that you will touch our hearts and our lives, and that you will stir and birth and create a greater faith, stir a greater faith, Bring an understanding and a revelation. God, speak to us. Let the word that's spoken from your mouth on these words, God, be spoken to us that it will be the language to the longing of our heart. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Blessed Lord, anointed. Now, I'm preaching a thought this morning. Hope in our distress. Hope. In our distress. Mighty God, we need hope in our distress. God led me here and I believe because there is several sitting in this body this morning. This is your reality. You're searching and seeking for a hope in your distress. And you're, you're, you're at a place perhaps of despair or discouragement. 
And this is where you're living at right now. And God just began to speak this to me yesterday when I went into prayer in my office. I just had the most beautiful time just in God's presence. And while I was praying, I said, God, you've got to speak to me exactly what the church needs to hear. You've got to speak to me exactly what the church needs because I don't know their heart. I don't know the things that they're going through in their life. I don't have insider information except for what you speak to me. And just like that, he said, I want you to preach Psalms 22. I turned to Psalms 22 and I thought, Lord, there's a message here. There's a lot of, of, of meat here in this particular passage of Scripture. And so God led me here uh, because I believe people are living there in this house today. But God wants to speak to you and give you a hope in your distress and your distressing times. You are seemingly in darkness. And I don't necessarily mean sin. Sometimes people are in sin. And if you're in sin, repent. Get it right. And you'll walk in the light of the word of God in his life. But if you are seemingly in darkness. And I, 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 I don't mean sin so much. But I mean you don't see any light in your situation. You don't see any light at the end of your tunnel. Just remember this today. God is bringing you through and he's giving you a hope in the midst of your distress. That's exactly what happened here in Psalms 22 as David began to speak these words. I found it very encouraging at the top of the 22nd Psalm. It says to the chief musician upon Ajilith Shahar. And I may not have said it right, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, it's right there at the top above the first verse in, in, in your Bibles. And that particular word, Ajilith Shahar, means the hind of the morning or the dawning of the day. In Psalms 30 verse 5, the Bible says, For his anger endureth but a moment, in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Joy comes in the morning. And what God is saying in the midst of your cry, when you say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, why is everything so dark? Why does it seem like I can't see any remedy or hope or anything in this darkness that I'm in I'm just, I just can't seem to see God in the midst of any of this he's saying unto you hold on my child your joy is coming in the morning it's getting ready to burst through in light unto you and for you and God's getting ready to give you your answer and your hope your victory is on the way hallelujah our hope in our darkest hour comes from His Word. It comes from knowing His Word. That's right. The promise is in it. The faith comes from it. In Psalms 119, 105, David said, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God will lead you and I with His Word spoken to us. As we take His Word and we read it, the answer comes. Amen. And He also said in Psalms 119, 
133. He said, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. God is saying to you, you don't have to walk in the darkness. You can walk in the light of his direction. All the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord and no iniquity will have dominion over you. You don't have to go down in defeat. You don't have to go down in discouragement, in sin and in darkness. We serve the answer. We serve Jesus. We serve the remedy. It's in his word. And it's right here in this 22nd chapter. Hallelujah. This 22nd Psalm gives us hope because it tells us of Christ. It tells us of his cross. The details are there. The details are right there of his death. But the details illustrate or give us a picture of this great hope and salvation. Amen. If you came this morning looking for a motivational message that is other than the gospel, you came to the wrong church. But I've come to tell you that the message that will motivate you is the message of the cross of Calvary. It is the hope of salvation. That's why Paul said, I don't come with enticing words, but I come with the message of the cross. He said to those that perish, the cross and preaching of it is foolish but to those that believe it is the power of God it is our hope it is what we stand upon to bring us through it's our answer it's our light and our darkness oh yes the details illustrate and give us a picture of this great hope and salvation and I'm not mad I'm excited People say, God's not deaf. He's not nervous either. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Ephesians 1.18 says this. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened from the word and what you know of God. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. And what the riches of the glory of His inheritance is in the saints. I read that this morning and I thought, Lord, there's hope in our distress. There's hope, but the hope is Jesus Christ. He is the way of escape. People say, how do I escape from temptations? Through Jesus. Through coming and saying, God, I cannot bear this temptation. You have to give me the power to overcome the temptation. You have to give me the power to overcome the pornography addiction. You have to give me the power to lay the liquor down. You have to give me the power to set the drugs down. Our sister said it Thursday and bless my socks off. She said, she said in one prayer meeting, God delivered me of methamphetamine addiction. The power of the cross is real. It works. He works. Oh, hallelujah. If you don't believe the power of God, you need to get in a church that does. You need to believe the power of the word. I don't want to be somebody that denies the power is a form of godliness. Amen. I want to be somebody that believes the power of God. And I do. Being a messianic psalm, which is what 22 is. Messianic being, it speaks about the Messiah. 
to come. Jesus. The very words Jesus said are in verse 1 on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did it not say that they said, and it's down in verse 18. He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. He said, at the foot of the cross, the Bible says they looked up. And they said, he delivered so many. Why why don't he just get down and deliver himself? He could have called ten thousands of angels. But he went to the cross for a reason. And I'm going to preach it to you this morning. It's a messianic psalm. It has many familiar references. Many of the same words. Verse 8, verse 1 especially. And I want to focus on verse 1. Because the place of distress and despair, you feel like God has forsaken you. And that's what David was saying in the second and the third verse. Well, the second verse and the first verse, rather. He says, I feel forsaken. I've cried out to you. I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. I feel like you don't hear my prayers. God, I need you to answer my prayers. I'm crying out. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need light to shine through in this darkness because I feel like I have no answer in front of me. God is saying to you today that you just need to hold on and remember He's a holy God. He's not morbid. He's not toying with your emotions. He's not treating you bad because He's trying to be mean to you. What He's saying is, I want you to trust me. Trust my character. Trust my holiness. Trust my love. Trust my grace. Trust my timing. Trust it. Jesus was forsaken by the Father. Why? Because sin separates. Let me tell you something. Sin separates. Uh, Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is His ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Well, pastor, that's not a very encouraging scripture. That doesn't give me any hope at all. See, that's the thing. You don't know what hope Jesus gives to you and I through what he did on Calvary's cross. We have to have a faith and trust in that. We have to move away from people having to be our deliverance and letting God be our deliverance. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you know how many times I've went through times of oppression and I didn't have anybody to lay hands upon me? I had to pray my way through to victory. Well, pastor, not everybody's like you. Amen. I'm just like anybody else. I've had to cry out to God. Yes, there are times that people need deliverance and the church has to rally around them. But we have created and espoused this generation that is an an expectation and expecting somebody else to do all of their heavy lifting when they need to put their faith and trust in the word of God and the word of God works are you hearing me sin separates and so in reading this sin separates but Jesus reconciles we were estranged but his blood and his sacrifice brought us back unto God in right standing he took our forsaking and nailed it to the cross 
He has been touched by the feelings of our infirmities. I'm quoting you the scriptures. He felt on the cross the forsaking, the darkness of night. He was rejected so we could be accepted. We stand here today, every one of us dirty, rotten, rank sinners, except for the blood of Jesus. Every one of us in here, I don't care how much cologne you put on or how well you dress or how great you think you are or how great your mama told you you were. I've come to tell you every one of us was born into this life in sin. We're dirty, rotten, dirt bags. But for the blood of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Ghost to change us and make us who we are today. There are people sitting in this church that five years ago when they were in the world, they would not have been my friend. I would not have wanted to be around them. Amen. You just say, hold on to my wife and hold on to my wallet because they're going to come after both. Amen. They're going to, amen, they're going to do me wrong because that was their nature. But when Jesus saves your soul, he changes your nature. He changes who you are. Amen. Aren't you grateful? He changes who you are. I was thinking how Christ identified with us. He became sin who knew no sin, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5.21 That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He identified with us and we identify with Him. He came down to bring us up. Amen. He came down to this earth to bring you up. A lot of the preaching today is just keeping and bringing Jesus down to where you're at, continuing in your sin. No, He came to deliver you from your sin. He came to break the strongholds. He came to break the dominion of sin. It says in the Word, He said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Your heart can be changed. Your ways can be changed. Your behavior can be changed. You can love whenever you didn't love before. You can love when you hated people you don't have any prejudice in Jesus amen when you get right with God all that prejudice goes out the window he changes your heart amen Amen. But he became sin who knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. Distress and despair and afflictions in this life. Bring this into understanding and focus. They do. We go through problems. But we understand about God's power and his grace. And how he brings us through things. It's so awesome. And if you don't understand that, that that's why this message is being preached today for you. Because people look and they say, I'm going through a hard time. I said, God's going to bring you through that hard time. And through that hard time, He's going to change you. Amen. He's going to change your old rotten nature. He's going to show you that you've been in your flesh. He's going to change that about you. And you're going to die to that. And you're going to ask God to forgive you. And He's going to give you a strength to become somebody different. Amen. He changes us. He changes everything about us. We go through things. And what we don't realize is God is changing us. And he's revealing himself to us. 
I went through the harshest time in 1994 before my son was born. And I thought I was everything. But God had to to pull everything out of me before he could pour into me. Amen. I'm I'm, going to be preaching probably in our conference because our breakthrough conference is going to be fill this valley full of ditches. Amen. Fill this valley full of ditches. And God showed me something. He said that earth had to be removed before the capacity would be there for the water to flow into it. Amen. And just remember this. The greater the depth of what's been removed is the greater capacity of the outpouring of the water. The water came and handa bayakatabasi. Let me tell you something else, church, today. Whenever you're down there in that ditch, in that place of despair, and the water flows there, it begins to bring you up out of that ditch. And it begins to bring you up higher than that ditch. And it causes you to get on a footing. That's what the Spirit of God is trying to do in our lives. To bring us up out of that place of death. And bring us up out of that place of despair. And bring us up out of that rut. Yes, the ditch is there for a reason. But it's there to show you something. And do something in you. After 1994, son, I was not the same person. You didn't even know your birth would do that much to me. I said, God, I'm, I got faith. I got faith. I believe God. He said, all right, let's prove it. You can shout all over the platform. You can sing till you're blue in the face. You can shake your leg all you want. What you got, boy? And Kyle was born dead. I'm watching my baby over there, four doctors working on him, tapping on his feet, trying to get him to breathe. And they're sitting there pushing this little bag, trying to get his lungs to inflate because they had collapsed on one side. And that doctor, thank God she had more faith than me. I said, he's blue in the face. She said, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Just pray. I'm over there praying, little Dr. Lim, little Asian lady. She's precious. And she's over there. She said, hey, baby, be okay. Baby, be okay. I said, praise God, you know. And, 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 and then he began, you know, to, to begin to come to life, you know. Life came into him. His color came back. I remember the best word she ever said to me right there in that four or five hour period was he, pee, pee, he, poo, poo, he be okay. I never thought that elimination from your life and things that are dispelled as waste would be music to my ears. Amen. But I laid over that mattress at that hospital and I wept and I cried and I said, God, I thought I had faith. But in my distress and in my, 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 dis- my time of distress and my trial... Lord, I've realized that I don't have anything. He said, I'm getting ready to make something in you. I'm getting ready to make something in you. He told me, it's going to be all right. But you know what? I didn't see the results at first. Six weeks later, we brought him home. But it was a six-week period of a garden of Gethsemane for Jonathan Skiles. And I crawled through that garden. And I wept and I cried and I died. And I remember God began to give me hope. 
Oh, Pastor Duke, I thank God for him. I said, Pastor, I said, I don't think I can take another step. I said, what is wrong with me? Everything has fallen apart in my life. I've lost my job. I've lost, you know, I've lost my job. My baby's in the hospital. I'm at a church, and I love you, Pastor, but I don't have any friends here. I, I don't have nothing. I, I have nothing. I don't even have a parent close to me. I don't have somebody that can come over and put their arms around me. My mom's in Missouri, and my dad doesn't talk to me. I said, here I am. And he said, Jonathan, you're going through Gethsemane. But just remember... Where there's a death, there's always a resurrection. And I stand here today. I ain't putting on no show. What you see is what you get. I am what I am because of his grace. And I was thinking in verses 4 and 5, this is every one of us. He said, our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and, and, and you did deliver them. I want you to see the beginning of David's psalm, because remember, David's writing it. Christ requoted many of it, much of it in the psalms and, and scriptures we read in Isaiah. But he starts out with a complaint and with an urgent complaint, and then he begins to compare himself with his forefathers. Now listen to this. He said, our fathers trusted in you, they trusted and you delivered them. They cried unto you and were delivered. They trusted in you and they were not confounded. What he was saying is, look at me. Because his very next scripture is, but I'm a worm. I'm a worm. Oh, let me tell you something. Thank God we're worms. Thank God Jesus became a worm for us. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah, I was thinking, we often feel this way. We recall our father's faith. We recall their testimonies. We recall their cries unto God, their deliverance, their confidence as they found God faithful. They were not confounded. They were not ashamed. They were not disappointed. They were not frustrated. They were, dis they were not discouraged. We, we believe that, but we don't know what they went through. Why would God allow Job to be in the Bible? Because he wanted to show you the whole process of his life. A man who had everything and lost it. And then went through all the trials of believing God. And then at the end, God gave back everything and restored it to him. But we always want to preach all the good things like, though he slay me, I will trust him. Oh, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And oh, at the end of that book that God says, Job, you got to get up and pray for those that were comforters, that never really gave you any comfort, but just discouragement. He had, we see all the end result. We see the end of the movie and not read the whole thing. you got to read the whole book. You can't read snippets. See, you hear snippets in people's lives, but you don't know the story behind that anointing. You don't know the story behind what they went through. 
You don't know the hell that they went through and the death that they went through and the tragedy that they went through and the abandonment and rejection and the pain that they went through to get to where they are. And they didn't get there on their own. They got there by the grace of God because there are people that are shipwrecked on the side of the road that fell off that holy highway on their road making their way to Jesus because they refused to live in faith and trust God. But let me tell you something today. There is hope in your distress. In the trials of life, you can rest in Him and know. And we say, oh God, my fathers had faith. They had all of these miracles. They had all of these. It's like Gideon when God, when the angel of the Lord said to him, because he said, where are the miracles of our fathers? He said, I'm getting ready to raise up a mighty man of valor that's going to go and perform those same miracles. We're always looking to see some miracle or something from somebody of time past when God said, I'm trying to do something in you. As we say, I want faith like my dad or my grandpa. I want faith like Stan Perumian. I want that. He was so... But you know what, Justin? You're going the same route he was going. God's bringing you the same pathway. Because you can't have that kind of testimony except you go through the trials. You don't know the deliverance except you go through the affliction. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You have to make your way through the deliverance so you can stand up and say, this is my testimony. They overcame him who? The devil. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You have a testimony because you came through a testing. And you passed. Did you hear me? You passed. So quit saying, Oh Lord, you delivered my dad. You delivered my mom. You delivered these people. They had a walk with you that I could only dream to attain to. Let me tell you, God's no respecter of persons. That same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for them, he'll do for you. Amen. Cameron told me emphatically, he said, Dad, he said, I didn't realize how much I did not know, but God has done so much in me and Francis. He said, everything that I've went through, everything I've experienced from Kenya to moving here, everything that I've went through, he said, God is doing something in me. He's forging a vessel in me. I said, because son, you cannot be a self-made man. You cannot have somebody else prop you up. If you're going to be a man of faith and a man of ministry and a man of power and be mightily used by God. You're going to have to go through things that God's going to have to do something in you that you have that faith that you got on your own as you came through in Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? You can't look back and say, well, I want the anointing or the faith that my dad had. You've got to have your own. But he's going to bring you through, son. And he said, he said, Dad, I've learned so much. When I left him in Florida, he wouldn't let go of me. When he came here, he wouldn't let go of me. Every time he walked in the house, he hugged me. He's fallen on me. He said, Dad, you have no idea how much I love you. He said, how much I honor you and I appreciate you. How much I respect you and reverence you more than you ever realized. He said, because when you've been out there and you realize, amen, what a wilderness it is. And you Thank God for what you've been taught, 
what you've experienced, what your environment has been. And his own words, not me, his own words. He said, New Life Church, for the most part, and some people, because a lot of people do not realize what they have there in that church. They do not realize that. I said, tell them. Amen. Tell them. He said, they do not realize the presence of God there. The word that's preached. Not just incidentals of the word. Not just motivational snippets of the word. But the word of God. Leaning upon Christ. Leaning upon God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because when your mentor is gone, then what are you going to do? Remember when Brother Clendenin died, a lot of people were in distress. Somebody said to me on the phone, we don't know what we're going to do. I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on. I just I said, I love Brother Clendenin. He's my mentor, but just because he died doesn't mean God died. God did not die. Just because somebody that walked with God died. Oh, you say that in some circles, you'd almost be speaking blasphemy. Oh, pastor, I'm going to tell you something. People make an idol out of man. And they don't even realize it sometimes. Don't ever make an idol out of me, please. I beg you. Serve God. He is your God. You can love me and have confidence in me. But just remember this. I'm human like every other man upon this earth. There's only one perfect spotless man that walked this earth that you can put your faith and trust in. Most men, they, they don't have to, but they do fail you. And I'm sure I've failed people. I've acted in a way I've gotten upset or angry or said something or hurt your feelings. And if I did, I'm sorry. I publicly say to you, I'm sorry. I apologize. You have to take that as a blanket apology because I don't know if I've ever done anything to you. But I want you to know something today. I'm a man. I'm human. I fail. I'm, I'm, I'm flawed. And so are you. So be careful. Before you start making people angelic. Trust in God. Listen. How we cry. Why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from my roaring. Then he goes right into that statement. And he says, but you're holy. You're holy. Have you ever prayed and you've just been upset and frustrated? And you're like, God, where's the answer? Don't act like you ain't been there. God, why aren't you hearing me? Where are you? Then you come to this place and you go, Lord, you're holy. You see what I don't see. You know what I don't know. You're doing something that I don't understand. But I have to trust you. I have to trust you. David said, I'm a worm, no man, a reproach of men and despised. Humility grants you grace from God. And clarity in the midst of all of your trials and your situations. The worm, you got to hear this. Please don't check out. Listen to me. Listen to your pastor. The worm that he's speaking of in the Hebrew means toleth, T-O-L-A-I-T-H, toleth in Hebrew. It's a word used for worm and 
the color scarlet. It's the same. Okay? Because the word toleth is the worm from which red dye was extracted. Think about this. Get this. This is going to bless your socks off. That worm, toleth, it's a real worm. It would reproduce by fastening itself to the limb of a tree. Think about it. Dying in the process of burying its young. The young would then eat the body of the worm, leaving a small scarlet spot on the limb of the tree. And after three days, the spot dries, and it turns to white, and it flakes off like a piece of snow. Did you hear all of that? That worm. I don't understand the mystery of how God could come and become man, and that same God-man could become a lamb, and then that lamb be turned into a worm and put on that tree. But pastor, he's not a worm. He took our sin. He took all the sin of all humanity. That's why the cross was so savage. You couldn't do another thing just about. Everything that could possibly be done that was savage and barbaric was done on the cross. The crown upon his head of thorns. His hands and feet nailed into that cross, beaten with stripes across his back, spit on, plucked, punched, spear in his side, mocked. You know, most historians, they put something on Jesus to cover him up, but a lot of people believe he bore himself on that cross with nothing on. Nothing. He became sin. And this is the message that we have to hear because he died for our sin. He became sin, that worm. And through his life, he's the firstborn of a new race. And everybody that's born of God, that's what it means to be born again. Somebody said, I was born right the first time. I said, nope, wrong, wrong, amen. I had a man one time, he said, I'm a Christian, I'm just not the born-again kind. I said, sir, that's the only kind there are. I just, just want to give you a newsflash, you know, fun fact here. Only kind of Christians are the born-again kind. Jesus said, you must be born again to see the kingdom, much less enter into it. Are you born again? How do you know if you're born again? Your life changes. If you're the same old rotten person you were, you just added Jesus to what you are. I can tell you, you need to get born again. Because when you're born again, you're changed. You're different. You're a different person. You're a new creature in Christ. But that worm was attached to that cross. Jesus. And that worm is attached there. And he births children. And they feast off of and eat off of that body of that worm. Until they go off and live their life as a worm. But think about it. It's not that in typology of the bread and the wine of the communion. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. You have no life in you. That's the life. The hope we have in our despair is in the power of the cross.
And the cry of the Lord is there is none to help, but there is. Jesus spoiled principalities. He put the devil under his feet. So you know what that means? He's under your feet. He's under your feet. He destroyed the works of the devil. Sin has no more dominion over you. Well, I struggle with sin, Pastor. Come and fall into an altar and say, God, I cannot do this on my own. I have to depend upon you. There have been people that have said, well, when I stop drinking and I stop smoking and I stop cussing and I stop with my, you know, extracurricular friend and activities, then I'll come and I'll give my life to Jesus. No, come to Jesus. Let him peel all those things off. Amen. God will clean you up if you come up here and get right. Amen. I went home after I got born again on a Sunday morning and the Holy Ghost told me, get rid of all the pornographic magazines. We didn't have internet then in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s. We didn't have that. So I went home. No preacher told me that. Nobody told me that. But when I got right with God, I come home and I begin to unload all those things and throw them away. And I got down to that last one. I'm looking at the devil set. You want to throw that one away? And God said, you better burn every bridge. I began to throw that thing in the trash. And from that moment, God began to liberate me. The only reason you would ever go through that again is because you opened yourself up to it again. But God can still deliver you in that instance too. You come to Him and you say, Lord, I surrender my everything's unto you. I want to be freed. He said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Quit making excuses because Jesus' blood is greater and more powerful than your sin and your excuses. Give it to God. Let Him change you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he flees. He gives power to resist. And I have truly experienced this in my own life. Jesus took the intimidating beating for you. The Bible says that David said here in this 22nd chapter, and I'm getting near the end here, so don't get restless on me. But in verse 12, he said, Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me. They've gaped upon me with their mouths as raven and a roaring lion I am poured out like water all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it's melted in the midst of my bowels my strength is dried up like a pot sherd and my tongue cleaves to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death dogs have compassed me the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me they've pierced my hands and my feet does that sound familiar I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me the part of my garment among them they parted my garments among them did that not happen? yes it did they parted Jesus' garments and cast lots upon my vesture but be not thou far from me O Lord O my strength haste thee to help me deliver my soul from the sword and my darling from the power of the dog save me from the lion's mouth for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn I want to say to you that when Jesus hung on the cross not only was there people around him persecuting him and crucifying him but all the devils of hell were there gaping upon him I can tell you and he took it he took it that's why the devil has to flee because he took it he did it 
So you can say, Jesus, or you can say, I'm sorry, devil, the blood of Jesus is against you. He says, I cry. Haste thou to help me. He knows how to deliver your soul from the sword, from the mouth of the lions. The greatest battle you and I are going to fight is right here in our mind. Our prayer and faith will, be, will bring hope and it will activate that hope. And I can't explain it, but I see it right here in this psalm. The distress turns from a place of complaint to a place of comparison to a place of, of fear and of an intimidation to a cry unto God, deliver me. And then comes a cry of praise. We have to believe. You have to believe. Believe in what he did for you and I. And then you have to begin to praise him for what he's done. Praise him. One time I was sitting there in despair and I was like, Lord, he said, Jonathan, when are you going to quit wallowing around in defeat and all the fear and all the things? I've already done it. I said, but Lord, I don't see it operating in my life. He said, start praising me. People come in and they're like, they're waiting for God to do something in their life. Get your hands in the air. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I did last night. Ask God to forgive you. I've, many times I've come into the, I say many times, but there have been times, not many times, but times I've come into the house of God and I said, Lord, forgive me for what I said last night, what I did, how I acted, what I thought, you know, where I was, amen. Forgive me, you know, forgive me for that, Lord. Wash me in your blood. And then I begin to praise him and the spirit of God begins to fall upon you. That's exactly what happened. And I close with the scripture here in the word of God. He says here in this 22nd verse, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. He said, I'm starting not to speak to God so much anymore. I'm praising him, but I'm declaring, I'm speaking life from my mouth. And he says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Will I praise thee? Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him. Amen? Praise Him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify Him and fear Him. For you, for, for all ye the seed of Israel, and I love this, He says, for He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. God brings you to a place where you say, you know what God? You do hear me. You are hearing me. You do not despise the affliction of the afflicted. You're hearing me. You're listening to me. You hear me, God. Oh, a little praise goes a long way. Amen. A little praise goes a long way. I remember we used to have an old lawnmower and I would pull that thing and it would go and I'd pull it again. Oh, I think, Lord, this thing ain't going to start. I'd push that little you know, ball valve on the other side. It'd be a little prime in there. It'd go I thought, man, this thing's like an old piece of junk Chevy. Amen. I'd go, Amen. Hallelujah. I drive Fords now. Praise God. He don't either. But I'm down there and I say, whew. 
I'm pulling it. And all of a sudden you hear it go, bah, 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 bah. I thought, oh, it's about ready to start. It's just about ready to get hold. And then pull it again. Da, 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 and start. And I thought, my goodness, little smoke's coming out. There's fire. Amen. There's fuel. And you just keep on priming that thing. Keep on pulling that thing. Next thing you know, you start that thing and it kicks off and it takes off. Do you believe it? Then stand to your feet and begin to praise God this morning. Begin to praise Him this morning. You say, Pastor, He has not abhorred the afflictions of the afflicted. He's not stomping you down. He's not kicking you to the curb. He's not quenching a smoking wick. He's not, bru- he's not breaking a bruised flax, a branch. He's not doing that. He's not crushing that bruised reed. He's not quenching that little bit of fire. But he said, I hear you. I hear you. If you need to repent this morning, come and get in the altar and get a hold of God. Repent. I promise you from His Word, He will meet you here. But if you're going through a distress, you're going through a time in your life, and you say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. You've got to praise the way through it. You've got to trust in the cross. You've got to sing about the goodness of God at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. It's upon His rock we stand. Oh, my God, my God. Would you just begin to lift your hands towards heaven?